I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. If you're working as an accountant and you lose your job, nobody really notices. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> it is Tommy Moore! Robbie Robbie Weekly. Little reverse pass, and Hello and welcome to the 42 Rugby Weekly brought to you by Volkswagen, a proud sponsor of Irish Rugby. Gavin Casey here in studio, joined, as always I think I can say now, by Bernard Jackman. How are you Bernard? Good, thank you. Excellent. And we're joined on the line as well from sunny Portugal uh, by Murray Kinsler of the 42. How are things over there, Murray? Yeah, not too bad. I'm sitting out on a kind of veranda outside um, Ono Mali's restaurant here near the Ireland training camp and it's about... 30 degrees so yeah life's pretty good but great to be chatting to you guys <laughs> are you getting any work done over there <laughs> have you not seen all my articles no yeah it's been flat out hectic haven't barely seen the sun but i'm enjoying looking at it um nah, it's been it's been really nice i think for the team themselves and for everyone really it's been way more relaxed over here even with the media stuff and and joe schmidt seems in good form um obviously a really interesting team now as well but really good week uh, just over actually eight days for them out here and um, really tough training in this in the sun uh, but also kind of enjoying themselves off the pitch and it's been nice a uh, bit of peace and quiet for them as well certainly less media around the place um, so joe tends to like that spot on well coming up on today's show we will be chatting later on to tom english of the bbc about scotland's world cup prospects and what we can expect from them when we kick off the tournament uh, in a month's time. And we'll also, in a few moments, be looking at that uh, aforementioned Ireland team to play England at Twickenham this weekend. We'll also, as we have been doing, uh, keep our eye on some of the other teams uh, that may or may not contend in Japan towards the end of the show. Uh, Bernard, let's start with yourself, and we'll start with the Ireland team. The England team has just been named as well at the time uh, that we've started recording. But uh, I suppose on paper, a lot stronger than the team that lined out against Italy, a, a few more frontliners involved. Is it actually a, a little bit surprisingly strong in terms of the number of those first team players that have been brought back into the fold? A lot of people there that we pretty much know are going to be on the plane. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's a full strength team bar Keith Earls, uh, Johnny Sexton, um, James Ryan, and then you could argue the toss between Bundy and, and Robbie Henshaw. So it's a very strong starting side. A strong bench as well, to be honest. And, a, and it needs to be because um, England are, are after picking a, a very strong team. Obviously, they've won game more uh, played than us. Um, they'll be fully tuned up. And I think it's important that we get minutes into into our, our frontline players, but also um, we start to put together elements of, of, of a performance Um that will start to give us a little bit of confidence and, and self-belief as we as we build towards Scotland round one. Yeah, Murray, what do you make of it? Yeah, really interesting to see. I guess the standout headline is, is Ross Byrne at 10. Um, he gets his opportunity with, with Joey Carberry um, in recovery mode. And that's been kind of one of the interesting storylines, I guess, over here this week is that there aren't any guarantees for Joey Carberry. Um, it's potentially looking a little bit worse than we initially I guess, um, felt after that surgery. They said four to six week recovery and there was a bit of optimism, but it certainly seems now like he's in a real race against time to, to go and they'll potentially weigh up whether they bring an injured player. But essentially, Joe Schmidt and his coaches have laid down a challenge to Ross Byrne and to Jack Carty to, to kind of make the decision for them by impressing in these big games, which they haven't really been exposed to. It's Ross Byrne's first start in Test Rugby. He came on against Italy in the US um, back last year, November. So this is a, a different ball game altogether. I think what Bernard says about this being very close to full strength team is is really kind of settling and assuring for him because 
he has real quality and, and good combinations around him, which will certainly help him bet in. You know, he's not just being thrown in with 12 other new guys to try and make an impression against a tier two nation. This is proper stuff. Um, Jack Carty as well, according to Joe Schmidt, will get plenty of game time. So really interesting to see how those guys take their, their opportunities, particularly with Carberry now looking like um, a little bit more of a doubt uh, to, to travel. Just on, on Carberry, Murray, obviously being down there this week, so um, reports are he had an operation last uh, Monday. Do we know what the nature of the injury was or was there, was there repairing ligaments or um, was there some kind of a plate needed and, and it was initially four to six, has it gone to six to eight or are we kind of in the dark? Yeah, we're essentially in the dark even more so now. They haven't released the details. You know how they tend to be with some of these injuries and, and I guess protecting that kind of data and they probably want to keep it to themselves also because him being fit would obviously be a, a big boost then that other teams may not have anticipated but certainly the the language around it was a little bit more downcast and um, I guess they're putting pressure on his recovery as well and, and to prove to them that he is fit and available to play um, like obviously he's well established in this squad and offers a really nice element of versatility so you can't overlook that um, even if he's not going to feature in the warm-up games. Um, but yeah, in terms of the, the actual nature of the injury, no, there's nothing clear on the record. They, they've not really gone into that detail, um, but certainly uh, worse than probably I expected anyway at the, at the very outset of the injury. Um, and it looks like, yeah, he'll, he'll be in a, in a really tight battle to get in there. You know, uh, you know and I know, Murray, on the record is irrelevant. What's off the record? Yeah. What's, the, what's the latest? Yeah, look... <laughs> The, yeah, the sense is that it's it's um, it's going to be tricky for him to to make it in time. Um, that's yeah, that's what we know r right now. They'll 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 string that along, I guess, and and they'll fill it in each week and um, let us know that he's getting a little bit closer. But he he was out there. We saw him out on the pitch. He actually was out on the pitch today. Um, he was barefoot, but he was moving around again and and doing a little bit of running stuff. So that is a that is a positive that he's stepping up in that in that regard but yeah there was a procedure there and that's never a good thing that close to a tournament yeah bernard you touched upon it last week how you felt that quite rightly feel that ross Byrne is a more like for like replacement for johnny sexton but also just in terms of what ireland will probably try to do from minute one in a test and in those world cup games uh, how much of this or how much is this an opportunity for him to really shore up that very concept, that idea that he can fill Sexton's boots at international level, given he has only had two caps previous. Yeah, I think it's a massive, massive opportunity for him. I think it's obviously very difficult to to go to Twickenham and and you know get fifty minutes or fifty five minutes um, to prove you're you're a World Cup contender. And um, you know you'd like probably like himself and 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 Carty have had more opportunities over the last two years to to really get some game time with Ireland. But listen, I think that, you know the reason I, I was kind of pushing Ross Byrne last week is that I do believe he has the the big game temperament um, from a 10 to go in and, and boss the team and I think playing with Johnny in Leinster and being an understudy to him is an advantage for him um, and again as, as Murray said he's he's been surrounded by a very strong side so he has you know he has the the, uh, the things around him that you probably need to go and um, getting away and, and being part of camp and being down in Portugal and being announced early that you're going to play is, is a positive for him um, and uh, yeah, I, I'd like I'd like to hope that he goes in there and has a has a big opportunity and puts the pressure back on, on Jack Carty because you want to get you want as many players in form 
as possible going into the comp. You know, in the in the ten position, Joey looked to be in great form. You know, against Italy, unfortunately, now he's had a knock. You know, we'd have uh, we'd imagine Johnny would come back in and and um, hit the hit the ground running as he as he was for la- at the end of the season for Leinster. But you want them all to be on form, and then for Joe to make the choice based on you know what he needs out of each player given their individual att- attributes. But a uh, big big opportunity for Osborne. That's a, that's a really interesting point, also about the the style of player that Rossburn is, and that's been alluded to both kind of media days here. Richie Murphy was talking about it, and, and Joe Schmidt again. The, there's a kind of similarity there, I guess, between Byrne and, and Sexton and how they play. They're kind of organisers. They're demanding personalities, and that's probably impressed the Irish coaching as well. That Rossburn's willing to step up and and give really good. I guess feed really accurate feedback, not just demanding things out of players, but actually suggesting ways of, of improving what they've done. Um, and Carty is a slightly different player. He's organised Connacht really well, but he's probably that more fluid, uh, creative, um, and his tactical kicking obviously is, is excellent as well. Joe did mention that they think he can control the game as well, but it is interesting that Ross Byrne is probably that more similar player to Sex, and we've seen that certainly at Leinster and, and how he was picked ahead of Carberry really as a as a backup 10 a lot of the time with Carberry playing 15 when they were in the same squad so it's interesting that it's flipped kind of from Carty being the, the third the rather the backup to Sexton in the Six Nations and playing three times Byrne kind of being on the outside and now he's uh, getting this this big start they did mention that Carty will get a lot of game time as well though so um, they'll both have their opportunities yeah we'll see how it plays out at 10 for Ireland um, John Klein back in at lock can we safely say that if he performs well this weekend, he's on the plane? I mean, he, he actually could wind up being Ireland captain at the World Cup at the rate he's going. We said last <laughs> week he's a dead cert. Uh, it's a, a good opportunity for him. And then uh, Tyburn covering back row from the bench again. It, that seems like it's going to be his way in if there is to be a seat on the plane for him, that he'll be covering back row as opposed to lock. Well, yeah. I know we can he can do both. But Yeah, I think it's probably more... Uh... I suppose a sign that John Klein, Klein is on the is on the plane more so than Ty Byrne. I think Ty Byrne's in a rush um, to to impress. I think you know. I think Richie Murphy said during the week they're going 17, uh, 14. You know. Um, I know we had a debate last week of Murray around around squads. I think it'll be very tight for Ty if it's seventeen fourteen. Um, I think he's got a huge amount to offer, but I just don't see you know barring injury now. You know John Klein not making the plane to Japan. Given the fact that he's he's going to have played and started two of the four warm up games, um, you know they 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 obviously like a lot about him and believe he could potentially be a starter for Ireland, which would be um, which would be you know a huge turnaround. But definitely, I think all the locks are going to be you know very conscious of how how tight it is there and how important it is you know for for Henderson to to have a big game because you have to say that James Ryan you know I would say is nailed on in the second row as well. So. It's Henderson, Toner, Tyke Byrne, you could argue, who are, you know, probably fighting to, to partner James Ryan with, with Klein. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, even with Henderson, it, you'd have to assume it's unlikely that they'd leave him out given he's just been named a provincial captain as well. Like, he's probably in between those. Oh, yeah, no, Henderson's on the plane. It's just yeah. in terms of being a, a starter. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Murray, I suppose, looking at the Ireland bench, there are a lot of players there. Sean Cronin, who we alluded to last week, and Jack McGrath, to a lesser extent, where... You feel as though this might be a chance to get some game time and put their hands up, but for whom yeah. their opportunities will be quite limited, actually, even over the next couple of weeks. And maybe for some of them, it might be almost a last chance saloon. Yeah, I feel I have a feeling that most of the players now who are going to be playing these games are 
are very, very close to, to going rather in that last chance saloon. Um, okay. Although Bernard did mention Burn there. Uh, Schmidt said there's going to be another element of experimentation this weekend and they'll mix up the combinations um, during the second half, most likely. So uh, that'll be interesting to follow. The, the Burn one is really fascinating. And actually about Klein, uh, we, we asked Joe Schmidt about that and he said, you know, because he's new in, we felt it was a priority to give him game time. Um, so that's quite clear in, in how centrally is in their thinking. If that's a priority to get this guy minutes in Test Rugby, then they're they're clearly thinking about him um, as a big part of their plans for the World Cup. Um, Schmidt did mention that they do see Byrne as the star uh, as a possible starter in the row, second row or back row. But um, it's kind of becoming clear that they probably more so see him as that potential impact player off the bench. And you, you saw him do that against Italy, the jackling, and obviously he can bring um, real mobility around the pitch as well. Uh, so fascinating to see how he develops into it. Andrew Conway is one who'll be really keen to take his chance in the, in the 23 jersey if he if he gets a good bit of um, a good bit of game time. Will Addison, I think, is travelling with the squad as the the kind of 25th or 26th man, but um, he'll be tough push to get a, a chance on the pitch now. And Conway could maybe nail down that versatile back three spot uh, with a with a strong performance. Um, but yeah, it feels more real, doesn't it, this weekend that you're getting that much closer to the tournament and and you look at that England team and it's really impressive very interesting to see Farrell back out to 12 and Ford and Tuolagi kind of creating that midfield combination there's so much power Vunapola's there and um, Mako Vunapola back back on the bench as well so it's going to be a, a similar test to what Ireland faced in that Six Nations opener which seems like a long time ago now but was quite damaging to Ireland um, they've got a match or better that English physicality that absolutely uh, dominated them that day really so it's a fascinating test match even for that alone and as you say because it's very real now in terms of taking your chances. Mm, yeah, that England team does look set up uh, to repeat that style of game that we saw in the Six Nations last year, Bernard, and also probably that physical dominance that they exerted over Wales in the first uh, summer test this year. What do you make of it overall, and what do you make uh, specifically of the decision to move Farrell back out to 12 uh, just outside of his, his old friend George Ford? Yeah, I think it's um, it gives them those two playmakers, it gives them two leaders, um, it increases their kicking kicking game options. Um, yeah, I think it's I think England are more dangerous like that. You know, um, obviously Eddie Jones had once he didn't name Ben Teo, um, you know, it opened up probably a, an opportunity as a, for a second playmaker, and he has that power with with Manu, um, so they can play it both ways, but. England, England were very good against. I don't, sorry, England were decent in in, uh, in Cardiff as well. So obviously very impressive first day out. Um, they did refuse to kick for goal. Um, got sucker punched by, you know, a brilliant opportunist try from two kicks from Dan Bigger. But in general, I thought England looked very comfortable in the game. Just didn't take their points and um, messed up a couple of line out mall opportunities from five yards out. But uh, I think Eddie Jones has England ticking along very nicely. And um, this is going to be a big ask for. For our frontline guys to come in against, you know, this England team who have played a game and a half and also kind of had some opposed training against Italy as well. So I think England are further ahead in terms of their their match hardness than we are. And um, yeah, just if we get a, a decent performance and are competitive against them, you know, I think that's that's probably as much as I would expect from this weekend. Right. If the game was to play out similarly to the last time the two countries met, and I remember you giving us a fairly detailed breakdown as to what you felt went wrong for Ireland that day in Dublin, what tweaks do they need to make? What adaptation do they need to make 
in order just to so that they're not essentially massacred actually yeah well listen I think I think our scrum is going to be potentially under pressure this weekend even with Healy and Furlong I thought England's scrum over the last two weeks has looked incredibly powerful and a big issue and this is maybe why Ross Byrne you know is more suited to this game is that you know we need to be unbelievably organised going to the gain line um, so we need to have the proper shape um we need to have, you know, dominant, try and get dominant carries and, and quick ball because that was the problem in, in round one again in the Six Nations was, you know, our shape was average and they absolutely battered us at the breakdown, you know, got key turnover, slowed the ball down and really bullied us. So that's going to be the, you know, a, a key part of the performance. But I think it's very hard to get that. You can get the shape right, but it's very hard to get that, that, um, that leg drive and, and that accuracy and contact if you're, if you're playing your first game of the season. So I'll, I'll be... For, giving enough around that but if our shape isn't right well then you know then we're you know we really haven't moved on so um i i can understand if england slow our ball down you know regularly in the match but you'd like to see that 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 shape going to the line um you know and having having various options around the ball carrier because that's going to be key you know for us to become a better team how do you see it playing out murray yeah, that's really um, accurate stuff from Bernard there because that's something they've been working an awful lot on even over here um, and in the last couple of trainings is is their their shape and phase play and and getting into that shape a little quicker maybe when they're they're on kick return. We saw maybe glimpses of it against Italy, but they've been putting a lot of time into it. We were speaking to Conor Murray about it and he said they had acknowledged that during the Six Nations they felt like they were just going up against a brick wall too often and they needed to be better in how they regenerated a little bit of momentum or, or or figured ways around that line speed particularly when it's so stifling like England it's just incredible even against Wales in those warm-up games guys were just flooding out of the line and really hurting people even after they pass the ball they're making those really smashing low tackles even around the legs Alan Jones got done a couple of times so Ireland have been working really hard on that and, and trying to figure out ways that maybe doesn't see them go up to 20 or 15 phases of, of losing the gain line inch by inch um, and being a little bit smarter around it and also being smarter around the ball carrier as, as Bernard says like making life easier for a guy who's going to carry into a one-on-one maybe rather than a, a three-on-one as was the case in that in that game during the Six Nations um, so that's a fascinating part of it as will be the, the kicking where Ireland had frustrations to, to put it mildly uh, when they played England in the Six Nations they couldn't get access into that contest and when they box kicked they couldn't get up into the air England were really uh, I'll say really good, really effective at, at escorting them off the ball and um, Ireland have maybe got a couple of strategies around that again, we, we spoke about that after the Italy game um, but I think they will box kick more now with Conor Murray back and, and they'll be really desperate to get up into the air so all those little bits also feed into the World Cup and, and everyone else will be watching this game with, with real interest Ireland's obviously their pool opponents, Scotland and Japan will be keeping a very close eye on it and as will South Africa and New Zealand potentially for a quarter final so yeah it really steps up even in terms of the tactical side of it and not, not giving away too much but um, definitely um, experimenting in that regard as well It's a, The England defence that we've seen over the last two weeks Murray is is probably the most aggressive defence in world rugby at the moment um, and it's certainly evolved since the Six Nations um, and John Mitchell's influence uh, is, is, is clear to see but uh, Wales were able to adapt, you know, having played them back to back. The second week, they they varied their attack and played a, a much deeper type game plan to try and get round around England. Um, and you know, it, it ended up giving them the opportunity for the yellow card, which led to the try. But in general, England were able to scramble back very well. And um, you know, I, I I don't think Ireland will try and pa- particularly with Bundy playing twelve. I don't think we'll try and pass around around it. I think we'll try and 
kick kick over it. Um, and that's probably why, as you said, Connor would definitely take a lot more responsibility. But I don't think anyone. I think Ross Burns kicking game for in terms of those kick passes is probably the best in Irish rugby. And um, yeah, I can see Stockdale and Armour, you know, holding a lot of wits and you know trying to go there via the boot rather than actually trying to play around them. Absolutely, totally agree. And and even getting other guys involved in the kicking game if possible. Gary Ringrose, we know he can he can slide those balls down the five meter channel, low kind of grubbers and mixing it up and varying it that way and not being predictable in, in how you go about it. But yeah, you're you're bang on. I can't wait for that Rossburn cross kick to come out. I'd say he's up there with the best in the world really. Bernard, we touched upon it with the Italy game a couple of weeks ago, like that in terms of morale and the psychology of the team, it wouldn't really have any great impact. It was more about getting back into the swing of things. But with this one, um, presumably, win or lose, there can be uh, quite an impact in that these are fellow contenders you're playing against. Now, neither team is completely full strength. And again, they'll be holding a couple of little tricks back uh, up their sleeves. But to get a victory or to perform very well, surely will have some kind of... uh, benefit for Ireland. Yeah, obviously to get a victory will be will be a massive boost. Um I think if you look back in the Six Nations and just not not looking back but if you look back if you think about the performance against Wales and England there was no element of the game that we would have been happy with um in both those defeats and and that's that's worse than just losing the match, you know, and I think that what we need to get out of this game is certain elements that that have pla- they've prepped this week as being key uh, key for them to to get a performance or key for them for the World Cup actually working well and that's all we need we need three or four of them so if you know our line at Maldi was poor against Italy if they put big focus on that and they can stop this English pack well then you can kind of you can mark it off and go okay you know the work we're actually ready in that area and when we need to, to go, go into the draw against a team who have that as a strength you know we know we're well equipped the the nightmare scenario is that you don't none of, none of those areas actually uh, none of those performance areas are are, are, are promising. Uh, you pick up a couple of knocks, you ship a heavy defeat, and then there's massive pressure to play for the Welsh game, you know. And uh, and listen, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but that's that's the scenario. The overall result is irrelevant, you know. Even see watching England, England lost the game to Wales didn't really matter, you know. Um, the most important thing for them was that they were in the game, they got minutes, and you know there were certain elements of the game like the scrum, etc., and their defence, I think, which is very strong. So Ireland will have identified, you know, key rocks of the game that, that are important to them uh, that they want to see start to, start to function well. Okay, gents, we'll park it there for a couple of minutes. Earlier on today, I caught up with BBC Scotland's chief sports writer, Tom English, uh, looking ahead to Scotland's prospects at the World Cup and specifically towards that pool opener with Ireland. Uh, Tom, over the weekend, bore witness to what he would say was a fairly typical Scotland result and performance on the road. Scotland's problems away from home really are chronic now and beginnings to matches as well home and away pretty chronic slow start against Ireland in the Six Nations slow start against France slow start against Wales desperately slow start against England when they were like 30 points down about after half after half an hour Mm. and another slow start a try conceded after a minute and a half on on Saturday in, in Nice and this was after you know, weeks of press conferences when Matt Taylor, the defence coach, and Gregor Townsend and a succession of players say, look, we know we have massive work to do on defence. It's the big learning that we have to take from the Six Nations. 
and they and they confidently predicted they were getting there. And Scotland has his first attack on Saturday night. It's a try, and they score four more tries after that. And some of the other tries were desperately, desperately soft. So they have a huge, huge amount of work to do. Yeah, I saw some comments from Scrum Half Ali Price. He says, how much do you want to represent your country at a World Cup? Not many people get to do it. And I feel like when your backs are against the wall a bit, it's hard to remember that. You need to scrap and fight for everything. Defense is a mindset more than anything. You need to want to hit somebody, want to put your body in front of someone. We just lacked a bit. That's quite an extraordinary admission to be making a month out from a World Cup. Granted, the caveat being that these are, strictly speaking, warm-up games. But France looked like they were fairly, fairly warm, you know? Uh, Absolutely, France. I mean, France playing their first game as well. France looked sharp. Uh, Physically, they they looked all there. Um, They had that nice kind of mixture of French belligerence and grunt and French flair. And it was way, way too much for Scotland. And to add to that Ali Price quote, there was one the other day from from Taylor, the the defence coach, where he admitted regret at not having poked and prodded and fired up the boys more than we did. And he went on to say, we just left it up to the players to get themselves in the right frame of mind. Maybe with it being a warm-up game in a nice place like Nice, we just assumed that level of intensity was going to be there, and it wasn't. Now that that is a devastating critique as you say, a month out from the World Cup and players, according to Taylor, can't be trusted to fire themselves up. That's, that is pretty, pretty grim. It is. It, it certainly makes for grim listening for our Scottish fans. Uh, for Irish people, maybe not so much, given that all along this has been, this opening pool fixture has been the one more so than uh, more than a potential banana skin in the sense that Scotland have never been a million miles off Ireland beat us in the Six Nations only what two years ago uh, when they caught yeah. us cold in Murrayfield. But I guess for this Scotland team, certainly from over here and I think elsewhere in Europe, the line all along has been that they have been a coming force and that uh, under Gregor Townsend eventually it would kind of culminate in they're becoming contenders, at least in the Six Nations, maybe not quite the World Cup, but maybe semi-finalists in the World Cup, which, of course, they weren't a million miles off from uh, four years ago. But it seems as though, really, as the big one approaches, that potential just hasn't quite been fulfilled. And I guess it goes back to some of the struggles you mentioned earlier on. And yet, do the Scottish people still kind of believe in this team, believe that this team can come good for a tournament such as the World Cup? No, I, I, no, I don't think so. I mean, it depends on what you mean by come good. I think come good means getting out of the pool and losing honourably in the quarterfinal. I think that would be the expectation. There wouldn't be anything beyond that. Um, you know, Scottish rugby fans have now gone through 20 years pretty much a failure on the, nas- on the national team front. So they're kind of steeled to failure. Um, and there's been loads of false dawns in that time and there's been recently under Gregor Townsend and under Vern Cotter there's been some highs but there's been no consistency so you know in Gregor Townsend's second match in charge they go to Australia and they beat Australia in in Sydney and they play brilliant rugby I mean it was a fantastic performance the following week they lose in Fiji Um, and that that yo-yo that bobbing up and down in the waters has been the, the story of Gregor Townsend's playing career and 
coaching career. He is a terrific coach, but he is locked into playing what he calls the fastest brand of rugby in the world. Now, I know for a fact numerous players of his wish he'd never, ever come out with that <laughs> because it's now, it's now a stick that they're being beat with. On the pitch, there, a number of them have told me that all opposition players have kind of mocked them for it. Mm. Um, as they're as they're getting beasted by a France or by an England or by an Ireland or by a Wales, the fastest brand of rugby in the world, lads, is that right? You know, it's just it was, it's it's that's the that's the goal, and it's an admirable goal, and it's a great ideal to be pursuing, but but it's not in the real world of Test match rugby. Test match rugby now is how many beasts have you got? How intense can you be? How good is your defence? Wales won a Grand Slam last season and scored the same number of tries as Italy. Mm. You know, it's that is the reality. And Gregor, for all his strengths, and he wants to play fantastic rugby. When this team gets it right, they are a fantastic team to watch. It's not kind of based in the real world of where the game is now. Can we expect to see much different from Scotland? Uh, not necessarily this weekend, but going ahead into the tournament, particularly that game against Ireland versus what we've seen from them in the last couple of years. Obviously, there's the introduction there of Blade Thompson, who people will be familiar with from having moved to the Scarlets from New Zealand. And I suppose not unlike uh, John Klein on Ireland's end, he has a, a serious chance to make the plane uh, if his debut goes well uh, at Murrayfield this weekend. Oh, yeah. Listen, I think if, if Thompson stands up straight at Murrayfield this weekend, he's on the plane. <laughs> and and, and <laughs> apparently in training, he's been, he's been going to bomb. He's been bringing that real Southern Hemisphere mindset to it. Um, very intelligent player, brilliant carrier. Uh, so I think not only will he be, he'll be on the plane, I think he could well be in the starting team against, against Ireland. Um, along with maybe... Barkley at six and Hamish Watson at seven, Thompson at eight. I think that could well be the back row against against Ireland. Um, elsewhere, uh, pluses. Duncan Taylor came back, played, knocking on for 50 minutes in Nice. Hasn't played for Scotland for two years because of just a catalogue of most mm. horrendous injuries. Brings a lot of nous to the back line. Um, brings a lot of... Uh, uh, experience with Saracens and he's a class player so uh, defensive excellence as well so they desperately need that but pretty much you know I mean if you just say what would the starting lineup be against Ireland you, you go with Hogg Seymour and Maitland on the wings Taylor and Johnson in the midfield Russell and Price you're probably looking at Dell. McAnally and Nell, Gray and Skinner, maybe. Mm. And then that back row of Barkley, Watson and Thompson. So it's, you know, there's a few new faces in there, but largely, largely the similar group that's been around for a while. Yeah, one of the more weathered faces to have been ostracized then is the other Gray, Richie. Like, we're talking about a Lions test lock, what, 65 odd caps for Scotland, and he's now. Fifth, sixth in the pecking order in the second row. What, what's the story there, Tom? Uh, well, you know, <laughs> Gregor's explanation here is that he's he's got other second rows that are ahead of him. Now, Richie Gray has had has had his own horrendous injuries, mm. um, 
that hasn't been around for a while did come back into Toulouse team last year came off the bench the final the victorious final um, and looked very very good has looked good for a little while now so I think everyone when Gregor Townsend was naming his original squad which was 40 plus um, everyone was kind of searching for Richie Gray's name and kind of couldn't find it it was like is this a mistake but no uh, you know there was five 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 second rows in ahead of him his brother Grant Gilchrist Sam Skinner Scott Cummings the young Glasgow player and Ben Toulis so he's now considered sixth choice which I find just unfathomable unfathomable and Gregor says look all those guys are ahead of him and he's quite he doesn't really want to engage in that conversation that much. Okay. Um, but that is very much his line. The others ahead of it. Now maybe he maybe he's worried that Richie would will, will break down injury wise. I don't know, and he hasn't expanded, and he has, he's not encouraging the question either. <laughs> I suppose they re- they rarely do when it comes to personnel decisions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah, kind of used to that on this end as well. Speaking of things on this end, what's the perception in Scotland of this Irish team and their chances going into that pool opener? Obviously, it's probably a little bit more optimistic than it would have been even six, eight, twelve months ago. Yeah, the, the, the perception here amongst... If you ask the Scottish rugby fan what do you think of the Irish rugby team, you'll get a very negative reply. Um, because there's been a lot of stuff that's happened. A lot of needle between Glasgow and Munster. Mm. Um, Stuart Hogg was taken out by Peter Romani in the Six Nations match. Um, Hogg was taken out by Rob Kearney, was it, in the Pro 14 final. That's right. Um there's there's been other little flashpoints, so there is an edge. I don't know if our, I don't know if the Irish rugby fans feel it about Scotland, but certainly the Scottish rugby fans feel it about Ireland. That they would really desperately love to beat Ireland, and also when Ireland when Scotland did beat them in 2017, Murrayfield when Joe came out about the bus was late, <laughs> um, that didn't go down well. Let me tell you. So it was felt it was felt that you know. Joe Schmidt was trying to take away from Scotland's victory, even though it was his big mate for Cotter who, who, um, who was who was on the other end of the coaching box, you know. So that 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 went down very poorly. Um, but if they were to assess Ireland, they would most Scottish fans would say that Ireland are going to win that match, right? Because normally when the when the chips are down, Ireland normally win these games. You know, they normally win the big finals against the Scottish teams. They normally win the big Six Nations matches against Scotland. Um, Scotland will will flatter the seas for a little while. They might put uh, Ireland under pressure. Um, but ultimately, Ireland's experience and Ireland's power will win the day. And that's usually the way it's panned out. Now, look, you could look at Scotland. If the game goes a certain way, they, you, could, you could equate them to a, a heavyweight with a big, dangerous punch. George Foreman, you might say. And you could you could say they are the George Foreman of rugby. <laughs> 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 Do you know what I mean? They they have they have a knockout blow in them on a given day. You know, England have felt it. Ireland and Wales have felt it. Uh, Australia have felt it a couple of times. New Zealand almost felt it, but most of those games were at Murrayfield. You have to go back to that. You know, if the World Cup was all played in Murrayfield, then Scotland would be, uh, be their, odds, their odds would be a lot shorter than they are. Um, but they are, if everything goes their way, 
and Ireland aren't anywhere near their best. Scotland can win the game. I'm convinced of that. Hmm. But would I put any money on Scotland? I wouldn't put any money on Scotland. <laughs> you know, history tells you that history tells you don't back Scotland away from home, no matter who they play. I know Ireland are away from home as well, but you know what I mean. Ireland don't seem to have the same problem on the road yeah. that Scotland has. Scotland's problems on the road are acute. I mean, they're really. If you look at their stats, they really are poor. Tom English of BBC Scotland. There, Bernard. Scotland, what can they aim for? Will they be doing well to just get out of the pool this time around? Yeah, you can think back to the last World Cup. They, you know, they were robbed of a semi-final by a, by a refereeing decision. But since then, despite Edinburgh and Glasgow both shown, you know, huge improvement, it hasn't really transferred to um, to the international arena on a consistent basis. They're capable of the odd one off, and they are a very dangerous team because of that. Um, attacking mindset they have. Uh, if games open up, they're you know they're very dangerous. But um, you know there is big concerns around their defence. There's big concern around their physicality, and I'd say there's big concerns around you know their mental mental toughness as well. You know, I think back to the, the last game of the Six Nations against England. You could say, oh wow, what a comeback to to come back in the second half to to get a draw. But you know where were they for the first forty minutes? And and um, that's certainly something that they need to stamp out or, or to uh, prove is not the case because, you know, talent-wise, they have a decent amount of talent. Uh, that was a second-string team that played against France. They'll be much more interested to see how they go this week. But, um, you know, that was certainly a, a poor reflection of, of I think, the, the good work that Gregor Townsend uh, has, has put into them. Yeah, Murray, if the good work is going to really come to fruition and culminate in fulfilling some of that potential that Scotland have shown over the last couple of years... I mean, they're running out of time to for that to happen, really, aren't they? Yeah, it, it feels like they need to, to finally deliver on it. You, you speak to them each year and you can sense that frustration. And I think they get particularly frustrated when they see Ireland um, having successes. I, I know the feeling within the Scottish rugby players' ranks would be that they have a similar amount of, of talent and, and ability and that they potentially should have been the ones pushing on to, to have those successes that Ireland have had in, the, in recent years. Um, I do kind of tend to agree with Bernard around that kind of physicality and... Um, that toughness up front. I think Ireland will look at that first pool game and, and see it as an opportunity to to be the bullies and having had that experience uh, put on them in the, in the last couple of games in the Six Nations. But I feel they'll feel they can overpower them um, and be t- tougher in those big moments and, and take their opportunities. You, you even think back of that five-metre penalty that they, they quick-tapped against Ireland and, and turned the ball over in the Six Nations. That felt like a big moment that, again, they, they did poorly on. Look, they can tear you to shreds. That England game was a, a, a real sharp reminder of that. When Finn Russell um, is allowed to play in, in a broken up game, he'll he'll shred you up. Uh, and those outside backs are, are incredibly talented. I do think they'll they'll be better on the defensive side of it this weekend against France. They looked they actually looked quite tired. I thought early on in the the game last weekend, the defensive errors were pretty basic at times, and guys not communicating with each other around the around the rooks. Um, stuff that they would have um, not really been accepting at, at a test level so that, that stuff can be hopefully on the, from their point of view fixed pretty quickly um, and they can deliver a bit more physicality and it is, in, it is an interesting team as well Blade Thompson coming in at 8 a guy who Gregor Townsend probably wanted to use a lot earlier but was injured all last season um, obviously having come over from, from the Hurricanes to the Scarlet so he's a, a good addition and I do think we'll see them bounce back but I, I have a sense that Ireland feel that that, that first game um, they'll be able to, to outmuscle them. Although Joe Schmidt, I think, does have concerns um, just around referees and all that kind of stuff for, for those games. But we'll get to that maybe later in the in the tournament. 
yeah, we'll leave. <laughs> we'll wait a couple of weeks before tearing into the referees. Uh, come here, what did you make, Bernard, of uh, Wales minus Gareth Anscombe? They, obviously, they've got a, a very capable but different stylistically uh, replacement in Dan Bigger there. Are they still in good nick? Yeah, I think they're listening when you can bring someone like Dan Bigger in um, to replace a, a, a Gareth Anscombe. You're, you're in good shape. And I thought, I thought he played quite well. I mean, he was... Uh, he's not as fluid uh, in attack as, as as Anscombe, but certainly he's got big game temperament and you know his his awareness and his execution for those two crossfield kicks um, was top drawer. So Wales Wales will be very happy. They've had two really hard games. They, you know, lost one, won one. Um, they're in Turkey now uh, this week having a training camp, and um, you know there's no harm. They lost that game against England round one. I think it just you know, dampens everyone's uh, expectation, but they'll build, they'll build up quite nicely and, and probably, you know, probably our second to England in terms of the power, the power uh, stakes of what they can actually bring and, um, you know, it was a, it was a, Dour enough game. It wasn't that much attack and play because both teams are so strong at, uh, defensively. But uh, I think Wales are are in, in a in a really good place. Obviously, world number one at the moment. Um, you know, which is which is incredible. But uh, yeah, they'll they'll be contenders of the World Cup. Murray, looking down south, then uh, were you at all surprised by the emphatic nature of New Zealand reversing their battering at the hands of Australia uh, at the weekend? Yeah, we've kind of seen that story, that, that movie a few times now. Um, <laughs> we did expect the backlash. I didn't quite expect Australia to dip away uh, so quickly in a, in a short space of time. Um, it kind of underlines to you again that everyone can beat everyone all, uh, at the moment. It really feels like that going into the World Cup, that those top teams are, are on a really even base. Yeah, the All Blacks were excellent. Their defence was absolutely ferocious. Uh, Sam Kane and Kieran Reid just putting massive shots on at every opportunity and they were just so lethal when they got those turnovers that Australia gave up just far too easily um, it, that wasn't the case to, the weekend before on that scale they did give New Zealand opportunity but it was just a really disappointing um, backup performance from the, the Wallabies it looked like they mentally kind of faded out of it quite early um, and the conditions didn't really suit them but yeah New Zealand kind of reminded us all that while you know those contenders may all be more even than they have been in the past, that they're still the favourites. Um, and that some of the stuff they've been working on, even Savia at six and, and the 10-15 Barrett-Mwanga combination still um, still impressing, although Mwanga obviously picked up that injury, um, that they're building nicely towards the tournament as well. I, I wasn't totally surprised by their reaction, but the Wallabies are kind of back to square one almost in a way. <laughs> yeah, Bernard, New Zealand still the favourites for you? Yeah, they are. They are, but I think it's very, very tight. Um, I think England, South Africa, and New Zealand are the the three guys. I would teams I would say are are, are the main contenders, but very little between the top six, top uh, top six probably. Um, but that's a big blow for Australia. Haven't had you know an emphatic win. They just needed to um, you know be competitive this next week. You know I didn't expect them to win the game, but the manner of their their defeat will will be a blow to their confidence. And especially it's different than the the Northern Hemisphere teams who were. We're trying things out, getting match practice. You know, if you get beaten that significantly, you know, having at the back end of a Super Rugby and the Rugby Championship, there's not a lot of places you can look. You know, they they know their their um, their systems just got well beaten on the day. Spot on. Okay, lads. Thanks a million. We will leave it there for this week. This podcast was brought to you by Volkswagen, a proud sponsor of Irish Rugby. Enjoy all of the rugby over the weekend, and we will be back this time next week. Until then. Take it easy. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. 
if you're working as an accountant and you lose your job, nobody really notices. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> Robbie Robbie weekly. Little reverse pass. Oh, 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 